Well, let's get into some word today. Uh, imagine you came to hear some word and not just me talk about food. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get it out or your Bible on your phone and find with me the book of Psalms, book of Psalms and the 34th chapter, Psalm 34. Now, today I want to begin a new series of messages. Are you ready for this? And it's called The Real God. The real God. Now, now we all have images, views, we have ideas uh, that, you know, when we think about, talk about, talk to the Lord, we think of him a certain way. I'm not talking visually. I mean, you may have some visual images that you've, you know, pieced together <laughs> in, in trying to imagine what God looks like. But I mean, I'm really talking about the way that he is. The, the way that's true and right and real. But our view of him, our understanding of God has been at least in part influenced by different sources, okay? Could be parents or friends, for sure. I mean, some of those played into it. Uh, many people, their entire view of God came from religion. And, and that's not always good because <laughs> sometimes, you know, it, it, could, it could be off, but it can come from, you know, school teachers or movies. Uh, some people even get their image and view of God from, from comedians. Because there's some, there, you know, there's some popular uh, atheist comedians that people look to him like, they're, like, he, like, like he's their pastor or something. And, uh, but they just adopt the, they adopt the thinking of someone who happens to have some charisma. But how many know the possibility is any person could be totally wrong? Or they could be partially right. And we have to make our, our judgments and assessments and, and seek God personally so we can know what's true, what's not true, lest we find ourselves believing things that are, that are incorrect. Um, but I want to introduce to you the real God. All right? Now, I'm not implying I, I know everything about him because I don't. Uh, but I, 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 there are certain things that I know from the Word of God and from personal experience with him that I know are, are true and correct. Uh, but the absence of that knowledge can really hinder everything. I mean, your prayer life and in, in, to have strong, confident faith in God, it can really be messed up by thinking he's something that he's not. All right. And so let's just go ahead and, and, and begin here in Psalm 34. We'll read several verses for our own spiritual enrichment and edification. Verse 1 uh, David writes here, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. By the way, that's a good verse to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could spend some time in your own life just reading verse one and let it be your commitment, your confession of faith. Verse two, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Well, what about the proud? Well, the proud, when they hear about the Lord, they're not glad because pride lifts people up. This is who I am, proclaiming me. <laughs> I'm all that. The humble says, I'll take my place under the Lord. I'll proclaim him and his ways and the truth. But anyway, I don't plan to teach each verse, so hopefully I won't. Uh, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me 
and let us exalt his name together. Come on, should we do it on our own? Yes. Should we also do it together? Yes, yes we should. I sought the Lord and he ignored me. And, no, he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Is he still in the delivering of fear from fear business? They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out. The Lord ignored him too. No, no. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Is God a good God? That is a statement that is often repeated both in Scripture and by believers today that God is good. In fact, I think it's one of the most important characteristics that we should understand and we should be grounded in is that God is good. This is not a, a mystery. It's not a mysterious word. It's not a word that means one thing to God and another thing to us. Okay? That's important to understand. God doesn't have a secret dictionary. And he's going to use words that mean one thing to him and mean the opposite, you know, in our experience. No, these words mean what they mean. Good, actually, you know what it means? Good. Yeah, we could use other words, dictionary words, but that's a pretty good one. All right. It's not, it doesn't secretly mean bad. It doesn't secretly mean pain. <laughs> annoyance, <laughs> evil. No, it literally means good. And again, we say it, we sing it in songs. Many religious people, by the way, do not believe this. All right. They might say, well, he has, you know, some good characteristics to him, but just to state it outright, full on, 100%, God is good. Many people believe otherwise. They believe in an angry God. They believe in a vindictive, judgmental, harsh, abrasive, don't get too close, he might slap you down God. A God who's always displeased, who, uh, who, who, who you know, is in a bad mood, that kind of thing. And religion has painted that picture of God. I think a large part of it comes through misunderstanding certain scriptures. And, and I realize today I'm not going to answer all those, but this is going to be a series. Okay, and I may even raise questions, and that's okay. If you're interested, keep coming. We'll have some answers at least. Uh, but uh, again, many religious people don't believe this. Many Christians aren't sure. And again, they'll say, God is good, or may repeat it all the time. You know, we'll sing the song. But deep down within them, there's questions. Because what about, what about this person? What about this person I loved? What about this thing I'm going through? What about this? What about this person in the Bible? What about, and there's a lot of questions that kind of undermine that. And so they say it is good, but when they, when they get quiet, they say, yeah, I don't know. And we've got to solve that. 
okay? Because these overt statements in Scripture that God is good, the Lord is good, are repeated many times, okay? And it's either true or it's not. And, and like I say, it's not, uh, it doesn't mean something else. Think of it in human terms. Um, if, if I came over to your house and, I, you know, I walked up the front walk and under the porch and you had a pot there with a plant and I kicked that over <laughs> and uh, saw a couple sprinkler heads, you know, and just kind of <laughs> snapped them. And I went up to your door and I saw a little rock in your landscaping, so I tossed that through the window. And, uh, you know, I broke your door on the way in. And, and, and before you answered, I, I walked through some mud intentionally. So when I came in, you just <laughs> rub it into your carpet, right? And uh, once I got in there, I found everything wrong with your house and let you know about it, how you were a bad homeowner. You know you have a broken window, don't you? <laughs> uh, whatever, I ridiculed you, criticized you, put things down, you know. On the way out, I popped you in the throat and <laughs> said, see you later. I mean, okay, after my visit, do you go away describing me to your friends and saying, he's such a good guy. <laughs> I mean, he's so good. And your, your friends said all the time. And <laughs> or would you say, uh, I think I'm calling the police. <laughs> I think we might need a restraining order. I think that guy, there's something wrong with him. He's crazy, right? He's mean. Okay, if we would do that to each other, don't think that God is different, that he's gonna come in and bash your life and mess up your, your existence, cause all kinds of pain and suffering, but you're supposed to step back and say, but Lord, you're good. I just can't understand it. I just can't understand. I know you're good in a mysterious way. And I just don't see things from your vantage point. Yeah. I mean, again, would you describe me that way after I wrecked your house? Well, he just sees things that we don't see. He just has such depth of understanding. And he knows that pot was probably bad for me. Right? And, uh, you know, and we needed our carpets cleaned anyway. And he kind of, he kind of, you know, moved us along. See, that, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> but people do that to God all day long. Yeah. yeah, well, he knew, and so that's why he did this. And I say, we've got to shred that mentality, that line of thinking, and seek God personally, firsthand, and say, show me your goodness. Help me to understand the way that you really are. Um, uh, again, it's stated so many times in the Bible one of the things, one of the errors we make sometimes in interpreting this book is we, we take what's plainly written and set that aside and go to the verses, the passages that aren't as clear. You know, something that's a little confusing. We're going, what? What does that mean? And we set aside what's clear and we live in the less clear, the vague. And then we allow ourselves to just be confused. Some people just, and I don't even understand the Bible. No, there's that part right there that you don't understand, but the vast majority of it, pretty straightforward. All right? But what we don't want to do is set aside the clear, the overt statements, and then live in something that's more vague and, and just believe that we can't understand. The, the proper way to interpret 
uh, the scripture is to take what's plainly stated and use that to understand what's not plainly stated. All right, one of the best ways to do that, that's almost another message, is to go to Jesus. Because he's both what he said and what he did is a living example of the character and nature of God. Okay? Instead of living in Job. Or something else. There are other passages. You understand what I mean? We start with the, the clear. Start with the revelation of God. Start with Jesus. Um, but in this passage, again, we see that the Lord is good. Many people today, and you might be one of them, believe that the hardships they face are the result of God bringing evil upon them. And this is what we need to correct. If he were not good, then trusting in him would not bring blessing. Remember the end of verse 8? Blessed is he, or let me just read it. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If he is evil or somehow manipulative in his defining of good, if I put my trust in him, my life does not get better. It gets worse. I'm not blessed. I'm cursed. Okay. It, again, I'm the illustration. Are you, after what I did to your house earlier, are you giving me the key? Come over anytime you want. Just go ahead and come on in. No, you wouldn't be blessed for trusting me if that was my character. You would be cursed for trusting me. You, would you give me, your, me, that guy, I mean, the, he's not really me, but <laughs> would you give that guy your, your bank account numbers, your, your PIN numbers, your, your, your passwords? No, because you don't trust someone who, who treats you that way. You'd be a fool to put your trust in a person like that. Yeah? But yet we're supposed to trust God, yet we think he's doing that to us. No, if I trust him, the real God, the end result is blessing. Praise God. Maybe, um, maybe you have people in your life, people you know that are, that, are, that are really good in some area uh, to the point of intimidation um, where you might even want to avoid them because they're so much better than you. <laughs> in a, in a, in maybe in, a, in business or in, in education, they're just super smart and you feel dumb around them. You know what I'm talking about? Or they're good athletically and, you know, or like I think about it this way. If, if I were invited to play golf with like the three best golfers in the world, I might not accept I'd like to have lunch with them. I'd love to answer their questions about the Lord. <laughs> Golfing with them, like, ah, I don't know. This could be painful. <laughs> them compared to me, it's like, ah. And, and, and again, you may have people like that that really is like you want to avoid them. You would avoid them unless you also believed or knew, that, knew to be true that they were gracious. Sincerely. You get around them, they're not going to make you feel stupid in, in intentionally, right? They're not going to criticize you. They're not going to say, okay, you're up, you're up. Uh, uh, here we go, you know, you know, up to golf. And, uh, and here we go again. It's going to be an hour just getting through this hole. Uh, no, you, you would have to sincerely believe that they like you, they're gracious. And I think that's true about, about the Lord. We're supposed to draw near to him. Remember, James said, draw near unto God. He'll draw near unto you. 
Uh, we're supposed to be, walk with him, be close with him, yet he's so superior. He knows everything. He can do all things well. Yeah, and then there's us. Well, the only way this works, the only way I want to get close to God, knowing my faults, my limitations, my, my, my failures, is I have to believe that he's gracious, that he's good, that he's kind. He's not going to mock me and make me feel stupid and, you know, be in, stand in judgment of me, but he's going to embrace me and help me. Now I want, now I want to be close to the smartest person around. Amen. Now I want to be with the best golfer, you know, or whatever. I, I want to be close to that person if they are good and not a jerk. Right? Thank God he is. That's why we can say these things. Now, again, I'm looking at verse eight. You still have it? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see is experience. Taste and see, uh, let me say it this way. Tasting is key to knowing. If I don't taste, I don't know. I can believe, I can take someone else's word for it to a degree, but I don't think I should just Say, well, David said he was good, so he's good. Okay, I can say, all right, David was an honorable guy. I just know him through the scriptures. But yeah, he's probably correct about that. But David himself didn't say, God is good, just believe me. What did he, what did he tell us? He said, experience him for yourself. Take a lick. <laughs> Reason I say take a lick, because I think... When I hear taste and see, I think ice cream cone. <laughs> Does anybody else think that or is that just me? I mean, we have, thank you. I'm not alone. There's not many of you, but maybe from now on, you will read that scripture and think, how do you know if the ice cream cone is good? Taste it. See for yourself. Someone else can tell you, it's amazing. You should have one. Well, I need to know this firsthand, personally. David said this, by the way. David was before Jesus. That means he's under the law. That means he's before Christ. He's in an inferior covenant. He's in the day when laws were broken and judgment was, was put forth sometimes quickly. And he said in that covenant, far inferior to ours, that the Lord is good. If he could say it, how much more those who have received the grace of God through the Lord Jesus, should we be able to say accurately with full conviction, I absolutely know it to be true. He is good. How do you know? I know it because of what, he's, what he has done and I tasted myself. And I have firsthand experience with God. Now, what we don't want to be is those who, among those who, uh, who criticize based on someone else's opinion, someone else's supposed experience. I don't know if you know anyone like that, but uh, they, they like to put things down that, have, that they've never tried, okay? They'll criticize, you know, restaurants. And have, have you ever been? Well, no, but I, you know, I heard, or I read this on, online. And uh, okay, well, I don't want your opinion then. If you've been, I'll take your opinion, and then maybe I'll try for myself and make up my own mind. All right, or they criticize books or even people. Have you ever had someone criticize another person to you and yet they didn't know them personally? Say, yeah, that person, I'd stay away from them. They're a bad person. 
Do you know them? No, but I've read about them. I want to say, you shut up. You are a mouthpiece of the devil. I mean, I mean he's the divider in chief, right? He, he's the one who, try, who slanders, who, who ridicules. We, there's a lot of relationships that would exist today if it weren't for people who spoke when they shouldn't have and others who accepted their opinion even though they didn't really know. Okay, now, one reason I, I, I say this is because this happens to God all day long. I'm here proclaiming according to the Word of God and my own relationship with, with Him that, that He is good. But there's a lot of people saying that He's not. You've got to know for yourself. Is He good or is He not? Okay, well, I've heard negative things about God or about this church or that church, or I've heard negative things about this. God's name has been tarnished in our world, in our world so often. And how many know we can't believe everything we hear? Just because someone states it or posts it or they're famous and they say it, they're often wrong. Sometimes they have wrong motives in, in, in saying so. But this is the, the way the enemy works. People speak without knowledge. They have not tasted themselves, yet they're going to speak negatively about that thing. I don't want to do that with any subject. It happens in, in, in Christian circles, happens in Christian churches where someone, one example is things like the Holy Spirit, all right? Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and that kind of stuff. Someone will say, oh yeah, that's bad. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you shouldn't do that. Got to stay away from that. Well, what experience do you have that would make you say that? What do you know? Well, I don't know, but I heard. But I read this. I read this online. <laughs> or I heard this other thing. Or someone said, well, I recommend, in a nice way, shut up. <laughs> you go find out for yourself. You go seek God on your own. You read the scriptures for yourself. Be, and if you're not sure, stay silent. Well, let's not be the voice of criticism for things we don't know about. Anyway, let, let, me, let, let me tell you that the way that the enemy works is, is he, he wants to uh, condemn God. He's bad. He's guilty. Uh, I'm always av want to avoid someone who is criticizing another and justifying themselves, especially, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're uh, condemning God, saying negative things about, or God's people, and yet justifying themselves. It's like, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like the, the, what, you, what, what you ought to do. And, and if God is, as I would de declare, inherently good and desirable, meaning the taste leads us to want more, get me a little bit more of that, like that ice cream I had on Friday. <laughs> I told Amy, I said, this is really good. I said, watch in the store when you go, when this is on sale, get a bunch of them. <laughs> this particular brand, this, yeah. If they're on sale, take them all. <laughs> because eating this makes me want to have more of it. And I'd just rather have a good price. So, uh, but it, sorry. If God is inherently good and desirable, 
what would Satan's primary strategy be? Is to keep people from tasting. Because if, now you can lie and try to convince them, don't go there, don't do that, don't. That's bad, it's evil, it's wrong. Lie about it so they never get a taste. Because once they get a taste, it's over. Once you taste God and the way he really is, the genuine article, you are messed up forever. Because it's like, I've been lied to. (laughs) I've been lied to my whole life. Lord, you are, this is you. I didn't know you were like this. I didn't know this was true. Man, I want this. I tell you, some of the tastes I've had in my life, man, so amazing. I'll tell you, every genuine taste of God stirs me to want more. I remember tasting God. You understand I'm using figurative language. I've never licked him. (laughs) Tasting God in, I remember when I was in college and I I would, I I got glimpses of him. Little, like Costco samples or, or, (laughs) and I would be like, oh. And I would desire, I remember going to, going to church thinking, I didn't tell people because this is all working inside of me. I'm literally thinking I can't wait to get to church because I want to do this. And then later I went, double barrel. (laughs) I couldn't wait to do it. And then I couldn't wait where I could get in my apartment back then when my roommates weren't there so I could get down on my knees by the beanbag chair and say, I praise you, Lord. You're so good to me. I worship you. And I would, who taught me to do that? I don't really know. I don't know that someone taught me to, but I got close to the Lord. I said, I want you more. I want more of you. Teach me, show me. I want to be close to you. I got a taste and I was messed up. Really? I mean, that was, and some of that, and I was saved before that. Don't get me wrong. I had minor experiences, but that trend led me to hearing the voice of God call me into the ministry. I wanted him. I, I'm still that way. I like him. I mean, if, you know, if he's on sale, get me all of them. But, but what are the lies? Oh, God is no fun. You know, he takes your Sundays, takes your holiday weekends. <laughs> you know, God is this or that or, or, you know, Christians, they're mean. They don't like people like you. They're, you know, hypocritical and they don't like people like you. Stay away from them. It's a lie to keep you from the taste. Oh, don't go to those churches. They just want your money. That's all they want. It's just a, it's just a business. Just a business to take your money. It's all it is. Okay. That's a lie to keep people from the the taste. Because if you taste and see, you'll say, he is good. If he required all my money, I'd gladly do it. That's not what he requires anyway, but but you would. It's like, it's that good. It's like, and if that ice cream doesn't go on sale, pay full price. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't buy them all. (laughs) Why? If something's good and you... You want more. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7. We'll put this up. It says, uh, uh, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Okay, there's so much in there. You see the character of God. What does he want to do for people? He wants to show mercy. He wants to pardon. What's required? The requirement here is to seek the Lord. See, some, some I don't think have realized that. I've had people tell me, well, yeah, I believe in God. I mean, I've always kind of had a, a really a faith in God, but their life shows no, no seeking of the Lord whatsoever. He's obviously not priority. They just live for themselves. They live their own way. The Lord is way down at the bottom, but they hold on to this comfort that says, but I, I still believe in him. Listen, there is no guarantee that just a baseline belief in God or some kind of uh, low-level devotion to believing in him results in salvation or God's help in your life. I, I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Um, scriptures teach us, Old Testament, New Testament, to seek the Lord to call on him. It talks about, you know, repentance, confession. These things are designed to bring us into the taste. Not taking comfort in sitting back and saying, well, I do believe in God. I've always believed in God. Well, so what? (laughs) The person who overtly rejects the Lord, okay, they're over here. That's why I moved to this side of the stage. (laughs) Nothing to do with you fine folks. The person who overtly says, I don't want God. I don't believe in him. I don't seek him in my life. That person obviously is in a bad place. But there's a whole other group of people who will be, say, in, in kind of the gray zone where they say, I do believe in him, but they don't seek him. That, well, I still believe in the Lord. I still have a love for God in my heart, but there's no seeking of him. There's no tasting. There's no experience. There's no calling out. They're just living their life. I think these people are just deceived in different ways. Because the third category is the person who says, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to prioritize him. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to me. God's priority. I'm going to talk to him every day. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to be in church. Not because I'm earning my salvation, because I know him at least to a degree and I want him and I'm going after him. And that's what the scripture says. Seek the Lord, not just be kind of neutral about him and believe in him. Actually seek him. Well, I don't know because, you know, my have this relative and they died of this disease and this tragedy happened and I don't know about him. Stop it. Seek him. He is good and if you get a taste, you'll know it and you'll understand these things. But the word says here, seek him while he may be found. Isn't that interesting? While he may be found. Kind of implies that if I just blow this off, put this off, delay my seeking of God, 
that later I might not be able to find him. Don't you see that? See, is it important? I mean, what if I'm busy now and maybe I'll get to the Lord later? There are lots of people who say, I'm going to someday. You know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are lots of people who say, I'm going to, I plan to, I'm going to get right with God. Some of them, maybe they do. Some of them, never, they never get that chance again. Because either they get, they get so far away, they stop thinking about him altogether. They go off into eternity. And others, I'm seeing this, there's a, there's, a, there's a window. So how do I know if this is my opportunity? Because we're talking about it. Because <laughs> you want him, you're interested, you have a desire to pray, to seek him, to ask him, to seek to know the truth. If, if you're here and you say, I don't even know if any of this is true. I don't know if any of this is right. I'm just listening. Well, I understand that. And I might not be able to answer, answer 100% of your questions either. But I tell you this, if you will, from the bottom of your heart, the depths of your being, reach out and call out to him and ask the Lord to show himself to you, he will. He will. Someone who sincerely calls on, he's not going to leave you in the dark leave you wondering, leave you not knowing, going off into eternity and saying, I never knew. No, if you'll seek him, you'll find. <clears throat> Praise God. And so God draws people to himself, but we can't continually ignore the draw. And I don't want to seek him in just a flippant way. Now, if you've ever, you golfers, you've ever been on like hole 16, 17, 18, and your score really wasn't that good for the day. You were kind of tired and hot and, and you teed off and it, you hooked it or sliced it and it's off in the weeds and you, you know, went over there or drove your cart over there or however you do it. And you go over there and you kind of look and go, yeah, I'm just going to drop one. <laughs> Meaning if you saw it right away, you would have got it. But it's like, I don't care about my score anymore today anyway. I'm not going to go t 10 minutes getting those little things in my socks and, you know, and I'm just going to drop one right here. That's not the way we seek the Lord. I'm, I'm going to find this golf ball. <laughs> I'm going to find what I'm looking for. Listen to these three verses. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Psalm 135 and verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 145 and verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. And again, that's a tough verse, right? Because many will say, yeah, the Lord is good, but when you throw the all statement in there, it's like, whoa, 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 I don't know about that one now. He's good to, to, to who? To how many? To all? All right, now the way to, if you're gonna pursue the things of God, to know him accurately, you accept on face value what is written, and then you seek to understand it. Not, well, I don't know about that, because I know some people, they've had it rough since they were born. I don't think, they, I don't think God was ever good to them. Yes, he has been. You accept the premise, and then you say, Lord, show me and teach me. He has been good to all. Now what? Not everybody has 
responded to His goodness. Not everybody has believed in it, received it, and continued in it. But He has shown Himself and been good to all people. Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 5 where He said, uh, the, He taught us to love our enemies and all this stuff. And He said, For the, he said Be like your Father. He sends rain on the... Put that up while I'm talking. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He gives His Son... The sunrise on the evil and the good. The rain on the just and the unjust. God is... By the way, the rain and the sun are both blessings. It's not like one's a curse. Some people have thought it that way. Yeah, God will knock up the... Will knock you alongside the head, the good people and the bad people. No, He'll bless both. He'll bless both. Do all people walk in the same measure of goodness throughout their lives? No. But He is taking steps because it's who He is. He wants good things for every person. Even, even people who are doing horrible things. There was a woman mentioned in the, in the book of Revelation in one of the churches there that Jesus had letters for. In one of the churches, it talks about this woman named, this woman Jezebel. Probably wasn't her name because no one's going to name their kid Jezebel after the real Jezebel. Back in the Old Testament, remember, during the time Ahab's wife? Yeah, not a good lady. No one's naming their kid Jezebel, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, so he mentions this woman Jezebel. She was probably the pastor's wife at the church. She was doing a lot of bad things. And the scripture says about her in Revelation 2.21 that he gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. What did she do? But she did not repent. Now, what was, the, what was God's will for her? Good. Goodness. Blessing. Love. Favor. Kindness. So what did he do? What was God's, God's outpouring of him, his very nature? To give her time to get it right. He's patient. He's merciful. Come on, lady. Get it right. Come on. Turn from this wickedness. I want to embrace you, love you, bless you. But she didn't. She got her space and she blew right on past her space and didn't change. But that wasn't God's desire for her. It wasn't what he wanted because he wanted to show mercy and forgiveness. Redemption is his middle name. Amen. And this is what God wants for all of us. If you are, I, mean, I could say this, thinking about this space, this time, this opportunity, if you, if you are alive today, I think that's everyone here, and you do not have Jesus in your life, it is 100% the mercy of God that you're still alive. And I sure hope you see it that way. That it is God's mercy. Because if, if, if we die without the Lord in our lives... There are no words. It's the worst. So if you're alive and don't know him, I recommend saying, thank you, Lord. You've given me time. You've given space. You've given time for me to seek you, to find you, to know you, and to receive, number one, salvation and eternal life. Amen.